Good evening, good morning, or wherever it is, whatever it is while you're listening to this. It doesn't matter, just good day to you. Uh, this is Victoria with uh, Dream Dogs. It's also Victoria with Hope Service Dogs. And we have a couple exciting announcements. We're changing things up a little bit uh, for 2020. If you remember last week, last webinar, last podcast was on uh, on goals and goal setting for 2020 because we want to get you guys started with the best year ever, the best year possible. And to do that, you need to have those goals and make sure that those goals are within reach and that you're doing something to work towards those goals. Okay, so like my goal isn't going to be to become president of the United States because <laughs> no, um, or to fly to the moon because you know, it's not going to happen either. You know, my goals are realistic and they're awesome. And I just, I need to share stuff with you guys today uh, about the awesomeness that is going on uh, with, with what we're doing and what our, our goals are. Okay. So having said that, tell me what your goal is. What is your goal? Uh, type it in the comments below. Tell me what your goal is for 2020 um, or what one of your goals are. If you have multiple goals, that's fine too. That works. Um, so as we were figuring, I still have to do all my taxes, but we we track income for Dream Dogs. And we found out most of our income this year came from service dog training, uh, which is fantastic because that's really what I'd like to get into. Now, I like working my pets. Uh, you know, we have Ginger in right now. Ginger is uh, aggressive. And so, you know, Rich loves working with these ones. Uh, but my absolute favorite, my heart is where, you know, it's helping out with the service dogs because I get to see the change in the lives of not only the dog, but the person that the dog is helping throughout the time. Uh, so some of our goals are, as I mentioned last week too, to join or to grow Hope Service Dogs. Now, Hope Service Dogs came about, I'm going to go back, right? Um, years ago, I got into dog training. Most people get into dog training because they had that one dog who was a pain in the neck and nobody could help them. No trainer could help them. And then they met this one trainer who was absolutely amazing and helped them. And so they decided they wanted to be trainers too. They got bit by the training bug. That's how a lot of trainers got started, most of them, because uh, I know a lot of trainers. Most of them get started because of something like that. Or they had a dog and they were just doing awesome stuff with their dog. And you know, these trainers helped them out and people started coming up to them. My story doesn't start that way. <laughs> My story starts with, well, there's two dogs. There's Abby. Now, Abby was a Border Collie Aussie mix that we got when we were in Kentucky. Uh, we had always wanted a dog. We couldn't have a dog in Wisconsin. Uh, so whenever we got to Kentucky, we I, had a, remember Abby, the dog? Yeah, poor Abby. Abby I ended I up. Haven't, I haven't got to that point yet. She ended up with a great life. She'll tell the story. Potatoes hey. are in the oven. Good. And the Good. steaks are salted. They're going to salt for an hour. Okay, fine. Salt them for an hour. All right. So the um, Abby, we got her from a shelter in Paris, Kentucky, which is outside of Lexington. And we we uh, we trained her. You know, I trained her. I was home with Luke. Luke was six months old when we got her, okay? Because uh, we had just bought our house before we bought the house. We actually, I went, because I had volunteered a few times at the Humane Society Walking Dogs. And I, I went in, I said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for our first dog. You know, we have a family, we're buying a house. 
So they pulled out Abby. I didn't even get to go back and choose. And she was gorgeous. So we, we got her super sweet, except severe, severe, the worst case I've ever seen separation anxiety. <clears throat> and that's after doing this for how many years as a dog trainer trained up. Uh, she was trained up beautifully. We lived in a small town called Carlisle, Kentucky, which is about an hour or so outside Lexington. And I could walk her around downtown off leash at my side, at my pace. She was amazing. But if she was inside and I was outside talking to a neighbor, she would eat drywall to get to me. Uh, she would bust out of crates. Uh, at night, she would sneak off and poop, even though she didn't poop if she was crated, but she couldn't be crated. And we couldn't carry the crate up to our bedroom and back down again. And it was too big to fit in our bedroom. So what we ended up doing is we got a, a metal leash and we tied it to one of the, um, the ends of the bed. And so we just leashed her up at night. She couldn't chew it because it was a metal leash um, and she went at potty. And then at night, and then it just, it got to be so much trying to deal with at this time. Now Luke's a year old. Uh, with a year old dog, with this dog who nothing was working. I had sent her to a trainer, nothing helped. And uh, we ended up, what Rich was talking about, uh, we ended up, I, I had to return her. I said, I can't, I just, I cannot do this anymore. And I don't know what to do. And this was pre-Caesar. This was in 2002. So I believe that's pre-Caesar. You know, dog trainers weren't really a thing is what they are now. Um, and they said, well, we could take her in the back right now and we can kill her and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, boy, a way to make me feel good. Well, we still had two cats and the cats went to the only vet in Paris, Kentucky. And the vet, next time I saw her, she says, oh, you know, I, I met Abby's new owner. He's really nice. And I said, oh, tell me, because she was the only vet in town. Of course, she's who everybody went to. And yeah, ended up, they placed her, found out then she, we were her third or fourth home. And so he was the next one. Um, he was a retired farmer and he could spend all day with her. It was so bad. At one point I had to go in town and get, uh, I think formula, uh, milk and bread, right? So, and it was, it was Kentucky. It wasn't terribly hot outside. I had the air conditioner crank full blast so I could run in with Luke as fast as I can, grab the stuff in a basket, get out to the car and I get out to the car and it was still cool in the car you know, because it was overcast day and like it wasn't Florida. Uh, and, and there was a woman there who was, you know, I'm going to call the police on you because you left your dog locked in a car. What do you want me to do about it? So, you know, I can relate when we have owners who are struggling so much with things and it's terrible. It's really terrible whenever that happens. It's like the least fun thing. Uh, but that was our first dog, Rich and I's first dog. Now we had dogs growing up, both of us, but but she was our first dog. And after that, I was like, dude, I do not want another dog. Um, you know, but I had always been looking at service dogs, except whenever I'd asked them if they could be trained to help my condition, the answer was always pay us a $500 application fee and fill out the application. And we'll tell you if we can help you. And I'm like, no, that that's not what I want. Like, tell me if you can help me. And I'm happy to pay a $500 fee, even though we would have had to scrape together for months to raise it. Like, if you could help me, I will do it. But tell me, just answer if you can help me. And they wouldn't. So when Luke was two-ish, a year and a half to two, it wasn't that much longer. Later, uh, we had him, in, we were living in Maryland at the time. And probably two, yeah. Uh, we had him in Maryland and we were at a city park. And he was playing on the equipment. My sister was there with me. And there's this beautiful Siberian Husky running around. And her and I spent... Uh, close to an hour, keeping an eye on Luke while he's playing on the equipment. And we, we caught the dog, brought her home, 
she was feral. <laughs> she uh, she chased the cat. She wasn't house trained. Well, she wasn't super shy, but you know she knows how to play keep away. And so that was Boo. That was our Siberian Husky. And I trained her up as well. Um, got her beautiful. The only problem was her come when called. Uh, but she actually naturally alerted for my medical condition. So we worked that with her as well. And I tell you, it took me a while to realize that when she blocked in front of me, it meant I better go down on my own before I go down, not on my own. Um, but she was my first service dog. And as I went out and about with her and Luke, you know, so we go to parks together, the three of us, you know, everything was the three of us um, because Rich was working. Uh, he was an engineering at the time for, uh, in Maryland, it was HVAC stuff. But so whenever we'd go out, uh, people would ask me questions about how to train their dog. And so I'd help them out. And then we had somebody when we were living in um, Florida here, uh, we had somebody came to the, the dog club that I was a member of and they needed help with their dog. And someone told them to go to the dog club to, to meet up with me because I could help them with it. But they didn't have my phone number, but they knew I go to the dog club on the dog club's meetings. So they said, just go to the dog club and ask for Victoria and she can help you. And they did. So that's, that's how I got started. And I was like, huh, I could probably make a business out of this. And I did, but it's always come back to service dogs. I'm sorry, that was a bit of a ramble, um, but it was less than 10 minutes of rambling. So I think we're good. Um, it always came back to service dogs. So people would come in for some group classes with their service dog, or they would come in for private training with their service dog, or they'd come in with boot camp for their service dog. But it was piecemeal. There wasn't a full program that we had. And we were at Disney with the dogs. Well, with Arrow, and I said, you know, it'd be really nice to be paid to come to Disney. Now, not paid to work at Disney, okay? I don't want to be paid to work at Disney. I want to be paid to go to Disney and have fun. So, you know, whereas when I was a kid, I wanted to be an animator for Disney. So my whole life has been about Disney. But we, uh, you know, I said, you know, the only way that that is possible is if we have a full and complete service dog program. So at the time, we lived two hours away. So we did up a three-day, two-night um, we'll take your service dog to Disney and work on, you know, for clients. And basically it just covered the cost of the room and the cost of food while we were there. It did not cover our time whatsoever, but we got to go to Disney. And so that was pretty nice. Now that we live 45 minutes to an hour away, uh, we, we don't do that anymore. I mean, if somebody wanted it, I am happy to do it, but we just bring them as we can um, to Universal or to Disney. And that works out really well. But Everything has always revolved around service dogs. So a few years ago, about three years ago, I want to say now, um, we came up with the online course and we put together the full service dog, two or three, um, we put together the full service dog program. And the nice thing with the program is, you know, it, it was everything that's needed. You know, it includes group classes and now it includes semi-privates and um, boot camp and the online course and the outings and the trips to Disney Universal and the field trips. And, you know, it just, it includes everything that's needed, the public access test, the CGCs, because I got tired of going piecemeal with it. And then saying, you know how you did this, what you really need is this. So I wanted to just have one. So I don't basically, you've heard the term, I don't nickel and dime them because I don't like doing that at all. That's like one of my least favorite things to do is say, now that you bought this, don't you want this shinier object? Um, so we put together the whole program. And as we've been doing it these past few years, we've noticed that, you know, there are some people who we can't help. Um, we can't help them because, you know, either we're not the right fit, which 
you know, it's fine that if we can't help them or they're not the right, we can't help them because it just, they can't afford it. And that hurt because just, you know, I know how it was. Remember whenever, there's a reason I tell you guys things. Um, whenever I was first looking and they told me that it was a $500 application fee and I'm like, I don't have that, but I can get it if, if I know you can help me. So we decided that in order to grow the service dog training, this was a few years ago, we needed to become a 501c3. So this was one of our goals back then was to become a 501c3. But the problem is to become a 501c3, we needed to do all this other stuff first and then go through the 501c3 process. And it would just be a lot to go through. I'm talking to them because I don't, I'm not a business person. I have a business and I have a nonprofit and I had other businesses and I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur. But the whole how things work has always eluded me a little bit. And I was worried that a nonprofit, you wouldn't be able to pay your people. And as much as I love training service dogs, I also love having a house that I can live in. And I love being able to drive a car and have a phone and have a computer so I can do podcasts and a phone so I can shoot video. And, you know, I like going to Disney, so I can't just do it for free. And, you know, I'd have people who would call up and they would ask, are you a nonprofit? No, we're a for-profit. And no, they didn't want that. Um, or are you a nonprofit? No. Well, how dare you not be a nonprofit? You should do this for free. And I say, well, my mortgage and my electricity aren't covered because I donated a service stock. So we knew we needed a nonprofit to help those that we couldn't help. Okay. So we started forming that about a year and a half ago. You know, we, we'd look into it and then we'd stop. We'd look into it and we'd stop. So we finally pushed through a year and a half ago. And we, last year about this time, we submitted for the 501c3 to the IRS, and we got our 501c3 status. So Hope Service Dogs, Inc. is our official nonprofit uh, for training service dogs. Uh, we wanted uh, our mission. We have a mission statement. Let me find you our mission statement so I can tell you what it is because it's a good mission statement. Um, our mission statement, we specialize, well, we specialize in, in service dogs. This is what I get asked most for. Dysautonomia, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, psychiatric, which includes PTSD and anxiety for veterans and civilians, and medical and mobility disabilities. So our mission, we have four parts to our mission statement. One is to provide disabled owners with professional training and support in all aspects of training their service dogs. Number two is to provide and sustain professionally trained service dogs and companion dogs. Number three is to provide support, information, and guidance to the service dog community. And number four is to provide education to the public, to businesses, and to the disabled community as to the rights of the disabled person while using a service dog and the benefits of service dogs. Four parts. Two of them we're already doing. We're already providing education and providing support. Uh, this year, we're expanding to providing with the training and to providing the trained dogs, Okay. So we, we knew it was going to be a gradual progression and Gypsy and Roma and Candy were going to be the foundation. I've had Gypsy the longest, so she was going to be the foundation of Hope Service Dogs so we can have our own breeding program. Because as I've talked to others, there's a few different ways that other service dog programs find the dogs to train. And one is they go to shelters. I do not want to do that because there's one in... Not even one in a hundred, because that means every shelter would have one in it, probably one in a thousand or so that might have what it takes, who can pass the health testing though, can they pass the temperament testing, 
you know, I, I don't, and you don't know what history they have. So I don't want to do that to our clients. Disabled people should not get disabled dogs. And some of the dogs do, you know, they're in there and they're for a reason. Um, not all, but some. And I don't want to go through other breeders because I want to be able to pick and choose who gets what dog. And if I went through breeders, you know, we've had some offer, but I don't want the leftover dog. Um, the dog is going to be the best choice for somebody who has a disability for what I need them for. So we knew we wanted to have our own breeding program. So like I said, Gypsy and then Roma and Candy were going to be the start of it. And then we got news on Gypsy um, that it wasn't going to happen. And I have not mentioned this yet. She's passed her genetic test. She's clear on everything. Her hips, she's normal. Eyes, fantastic. Heart, fantastic. But um, her hips, we prelimed them in June, I think it was June. And they came back as fair. Six months later in December, we, we did her officials and we got those back last week. And they came back as mild hip dysplasia with subluxation. So I don't know if it was a bad picture, a bad reading, because it is OFA. Um, the, those are very um, subjective. So three vets look at it and they are like, yeah, this looks like it could be this. But we're pinning all our hopes on, on this you know, on Gypsy. So we took her in and did her pen hip and waiting to get those results. And we did her, her OFAs for one final time to see what those come back with. But Gypsy wasn't going to be it. So I reached out to a friend and I might have some exciting news, but I'm going to wait a little bit to tell you more on that one. Um, but we've been working on stuff for hope. So this podcast is going to be a hope podcast from here on out not a dream dogs podcast because it's part of hope's mission statement is the education. And while I like doing it through dream dogs, it's still me. We're still going to cover the same things. It's just a little bit different now. Uh, we do have a fantastic new logo. Um, here it is for the big reveal for the new logo. Uh, and it's a dog. It's actually based on gypsy whenever she was a little bitty puppy. Um, and that's her focus way back when. And then a person, a silhouette of a person in a wheelchair facing the puppy and the dog's looking up with a whole bunch of focus, which is awesome. It's in the purple that is Hope Purple. I almost said Dream Dogs Purple, but it's Hope Purple. And um, we're going to, you know, I've been putting together a bunch of paperwork, a bunch of forms. This is the workbook that goes with the online course. So if you guys have the Service Dog Online course, you have about 100 pages in there. Um, of a new book that we're working on. <laughs> and it's a workbook, not a how-to book um, to help you follow it along and teach your dogs right. Okay. Um, so we have that. Uh, we're going to be doing training dogs, um, taking in applications this year. So how do you get more information? It's going to be a quick one tonight, guys, because you heard Rich. There's going to be stakes on tonight too. Uh, HopeServiceDogs.org. O-R-G. HopeServiceDogs.org. And that's going to have the information for you on what you need. Now, we have a new website coming too. So check out the old website now if you want to. But we will have a new website coming up soon. That's one of the newses. Our apprentice program is through Hope Service Dog. So if you guys are interested in being a dog trainer, um, or if you are a dog trainer and you want to be a better dog trainer and learn more about service dogs, contact us. If you want to uh, volunteer, we need volunteers from all over contact us. If you want a dog, if you want a service dog, yes, there will be a cost involved with it. Um, yes, we do help you out with that cost. Come on, check us out, hopeservicedogs.org. And I'm sorry, guys, it's a short night tonight. Um, but that is our big news. And I don't want to spoil it with anything else. 
um, for Hope Service Dogs. So website, podcast, website's going to be new soon, podcast, we have our public access test. We're going to do the big reveal on that maybe next week. We'll see. Um, but we're going to do our public access test. We have so much in store that I cannot wait to get started and to share with you guys and to show you so we can help the service dog community so we can stand above. And whenever there's crap going on, we know that we're doing the right thing um, because everyone always has crap going on. Okay. So check out hopeservicedogs.org and I will see you guys next week. Don't forget to give us that five-star rating for our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And be sure to tell your friends.